know who I am. I'm Patrick Hamilton. I'm the guy keeping First Baptist Plains from having a pastor. And so, uh, so uh, you like that, Brad? Laugh it up, man. That hurts my feelings. That's fine. Uh, it is so good to see you this morning. How are things in Denver City? Y'all have a good spring break? All that good stuff? Yeah? Yeah? So, kind of? Yeah? All right. You know you have a wonderful pastor, right? He's my friend. He's about the only guy who will be my friend. I'm, I'm just terrible. And yet he loves me in spite of all of that. And so if he loves me, he certainly loves you. He talks about you all the time. We pray for you all the time. And, um, you know, we're just, we're one big family, right? Us folks at Plains, we pray for you too. We're, we're Oikos people too. Uh, folks here at Easter... Before we get started, get your Bibles, turn to Malachi chapter 3 if you would, Malachi chapter 3. And while you're turning, I just want to remind you that uh, Easter is the perfect opportunity you have to invite someone in your oikos. You know, God has placed those people supernaturally and strategically in your life so that you can impact them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, however that looks with that individual. And remember that in oikos, we list those names so we can pray for them, those 8 to 15 names so that we can pray for them every day. And then we look for opportunities to invest in their lives, to invite them to things like an Easter service. And of course, like this morning, we're preparing all the time to have spiritual conversations with them. And so I want to encourage you, take the opportunity. you got Palm Sunday coming up this next week. And of course, Easter following. What a great time to invite folks to come and be a part, to hear the gospel. Because I guarantee you, Brother Kyle's going to bring it. So... You bring it, okay? You bring it. Malachi chapter 3. Before I read this, you are very unfortunate or fortunate. You can look at it however you want to. Uh, We're going to talk about money this morning. I just preached on money at First Baptist Church Plains, and so y'all are going to get it too. Aren't you glad you came this morning? All right. I'm going to read this. This is Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. (laughs) I love that. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask... What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse. Listen to this, church. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple, in my house. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. May God bless the reading of His holy word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are extraordinary. And we are so thankful for the opportunity you've given us to gather 
and to express to you how much we love you and to hear from you. Father, please use me in spite of my sinfulness. We want to hear from you and only you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Now at First Baptist Plains, what we've been doing is, is I've been talking through a series about lies that we have bought, brought, bought into. We, I called the series Truth Bomb. That there's some lies that we have bought into. One of those lies is God helps those who help themselves. Ever heard that one? It's a lie. It's just not true. We're to rely on Jesus for everything. Another one that we talked through was God will never give you more than you can handle. How's that working for you? Right? Not true. And what we've discovered is, is that these things that we've kind of, you know, they've become pithy little truth statements that we've kind of bought into, they really can lead you astray, can lead to a great, of, a great deal of trouble and, and hurt in your life if you're not careful. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning is a big whopper of a lie. And it's this lie right here. First Baptist Church just wants your money. Have you ever heard that one before? Ah, oh, that preacher, he preaching on money again. He just wants our money. I've heard it before. And I'm sure you have too. You may have even thought it. You don't, you don't have to let me know or nothing. You can talk to Kyle about that later. Uh, but it's just a lie. Let, let me just start out with, with plain truth, okay? First Baptist doesn't want your money. In fact, God doesn't even need your money. Do you realize that the kingdom of God will continue to advance whether you give your tithes or not? It's not dependent on us. In fact, this particular subject is not even really about the church. And really, it's not even about God. It's all about you. It's all about me and the condition of our hearts. Now, Malachi, he opens up this discussion there, and, and, and I, just, I just love to read the Word of God, so we're going to read this again. Mal Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. He just starts out talking about material possessions in this way. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. That's how we rob God. Now, for hundreds of years prior to Malachi and his prophecies here that we have recorded in our Bibles, God had been educating the people of, of his people, the, the Jewish people, about, about how to handle their finances. He had taught them things like earn money ethically, right? No schemes, no corruption, no backdoor deals, no gray areas. Now, you can earn all you want. In fact, I have, I have gifted some of you to make a tremendous amount of stuff. Right? For some of us, it just seems like everything, that, everything they touch, it's not me, but everything they touch turns to gold. Some of you have gifted for that. But when you earn it, do it ethically. Do it the right way. Also, he taught us, he, he taught, taught them how to spend their money wisely. Don't be foolish. Don't be capricious. Don't be careless. You know, avoid destructive debt. Take care of the resources that God has provided for you. Save money. Absolutely. There are going to be lean times. We've been going through one, right, folks? So save, save money for times like this. Don't, don't get yourself into destructive debt. Be wise. Give money to those in need. 
You know, there are going to be people around you all the time. The poor are always going to be with us. And I've given you resources so that you can resource them. And a part of this entire money management program that God put together, He established what we call the practice of tithing. Now, you probably already know this, but I just got to make sure. Tithing is a church word, a Bible word that simply means a tenth. That's all it means. It's just a tenth. And the idea behind the practice of tithing is that is that when we experience profit increase that God provides through our ability to think and work and breathe, what we are to do is we're to bring back a portion of that just, just in gratefulness for His great provision. Isn't God good to us? It's, it's amazing how blessed we are. And I'm not even necessarily talking about financial. I'm talking about just... Just the ability to, to love, the ability to think, the ability to, to earn a living, the very breath that we take. All of that is provided to us by God. And so it's just a symbol of our gratefulness for God's great provision. And then as a secondary purpose, the tithe was a means for supporting ministry in a local community. Again, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, I want to I ask you a question. This is very important for us to understand here. Where do we bring the tithe? Do we send it to Texas Boys Ranch? Do we give it to, to help ministries like the Gideons? Do we, do we, do we take the tithe to, to support missionaries, other Christian organizations? No. No, you can do that with, with, the, with other resources that you have, but not the tithe. The tithe comes to the Lord's house. It comes to the house of the Lord. And I also want to point out that the, he uses the word bring. Go, go in your scriptures and just do, do a word search. Never when, when, when talking about the tithe does, does God use the word give. He always uses the word bring. Why is that? Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30. One-tenth of the produce of your land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's His. It's not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Are we clear on this? The tenth, the tithe, is not yours. It belongs to the Lord and must, not should be, must be set apart to Him is holy. You see, folks, you can't give what you don't own. You can't give what you don't own. We bring it. We bring it before the Lord and, 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 we, and we thank Him for all the provision that He's given us. Now, before we go any further, there may be some among you, I've heard this before, preacher, you notice you're using the Old Testament, right? That's all legalism. That's all Old Testament. That's all law. We're, we're in the New Testament. We're, we're post-cross and resurrection, right? We live under the New Testament. It's, it's all about grace. Matthew 23, 23. What sorrows await you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees hypocrites? For you are grateful to, uh, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb, herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now notice what Jesus says. This is Jesus speaking. You should tithe. Oh yeah. You should. Yes. But do not neglect the more important things. 
Yeah, those things are important. But remember, you should be tithing as well. Now, notice in your Bibles, those are red letters. And by the way, since we have been shown such grace, since Christ has died in our place for our sin and was resurrected to life and therefore provides us with life, shouldn't we be all the more gracious with the giving of our resources? I'm just saying. Now, historically, folks, God's chosen people, the Jews, we're talking about that in Malachi. That's the group that's the audience here. They had a hard time obeying God's commands, and we understand that, right? Our heart's prone to wonder. And all you have to do is read the Old Testament to find that that is true. However, in Malachi's day, apparently things were going south, and they were going south quickly. Uh, in spite of being taught how to honor God, how to how to how to how to tithe, how to how to provide for your fellow man, the Israelites began to be unwise. They were they were walking away from God's path. They were dishonoring God with their with their financial decisions. They started making their own rules. And if you can believe this, I know that for some of you this is a shocker. But in Malachi's day, people had decided to make up for their financial foolishness by reducing their tithe. I know. There was, there was even some of them who weren't tithing at all. Can you believe that? That's what was going on in Malachi's day. For example, someone in Malachi's day run over to Jerusalem to the mall, maybe got a few too many things for the kids, just didn't have enough left over at the end of the month, and so they just didn't tithe that much. Can you believe that that, that people would do that? I'm sure every once in a while somebody there in, in, in Jerusalem, they would, they, they, they'd have this windfall, you know, a big check would come in, and then when they figured out how much 10% of that check was, they decided, no, 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 I ain't putting that big a check in the plate. Never happened today, but it did back in Malachi's. And so what God did is He sent Malachi. And Malachi started the discussion by saying, you know, isn't it, isn't it bad to get robbed? I mean, it's awful, isn't it? It's a terrible thing when someone gets robbed. You, you guys would never rob anybody, would you? Oh, no, we're, the, we're God's people. We would, we would never do anything like that. And that's when Malachi just springs the trap. And he says, in essence, you're, the, you're doing it. You're robbing God. If you have the common decency not to rob your neighbors, to not rob your friends, why in the world would you rob God? Malachi tells them every time you bring less than the full 10% of your earnings to God, you are ripping off the one who gave his very best for you. And what you're doing is unthinkable and it must stop. Malachi was tough. Now folks, we're not talking about impersonal, impersonal counting issues here. We're God's kids, right? He's our heavenly Father. And giving is at the core of who God is. Someone told me this last week, and it is absolutely true. We cannot outgive God. So in, in, in return, God tells us to simply bring a tenth of everything He's given us, everything He's allowed us to earn, and return it as a worship offering to Him. And one of the big purposes of that is so that we will remind ourselves and each other, Jesus is first. He's first. I read a story today 
or last week of a pastor. He was having a conversation with, with a new Christian, a, a business guy. We'll just call him Jack. Uh, the pastor had led him to Christ just, just a few months prior. And as, as many younger Christians are prone to do, what Jack was doing was is he would just randomly open his Bible and start reading. Right? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But he was just randomly opening up. And one day he opened up his Bible and guess where it landed? Malachi chapter 3. And Jack was immediately upset. <laughs> he called his pastor and he says, what's, what's the deal with this tithing thing, right? And before the pastor could even answer the question, he just starts peppering the pastor with questions. Is this for everybody? Is this on the gross or is this on the net? Is this retroactive? Because if it's retroactive, man, I'm in serious financial trouble here. I don't know what to do with this. Because you see... Jack, like the rest of us, that's how he kept score. Isn't that how many of us do that? Our self-esteem is wrapped up in what we earn. How much stuff we have, how big the house is, what car we drive. He would even control his children with his resources. It had always been his source of security. And the tithing principle was upsetting to Jack because it was messing with what had been the true treasure of his life. And so this pastor, tough, he says, man, I'm so glad you ran across that passage because it's going to force you, and this is the first thing I want you to write down, this is going to force you to do a heart check. This is going to force you to do a heart check. Now, I know you well enough to know the grip that money has on you, Jack. And, and, and you're going to have... We're going to see what you're really made of here now. We're going to see what your faith is really all about. And, and listen to how... Listen to what the pastor told him. When Jesus laid down His life for you, when He forgave all your sin, when He invited you into His family, when He secured your eternity, and then asked you to honor Him and show gratitude to Him through some practical behaviors and commitments, don't you think your heartfelt immediate response ought to be whatever you say? Whatever you say. Jack... Tithing isn't fundamentally about money. It's about the condition of your heart before God. When this guy Jack saw the tithing principle against the backdrop of a bloodstained cross, against the backdrop of an empty tomb, he realized that Jesus ought to be honored no matter how much we believe it costs us. Did you hear me? He ought to be honored no matter how much we believe it costs us because, folks, God gave His best. And we ought to at least do the minimum, right? The minimum. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved and be enslaved to money. Jesus is saying that there's there's always, listen to me, there is always going to be a clear-cut winner in the God versus money battle. One is always going to win. And it's no coincidence that Jesus picks money as God's chief rival. Because it has to be, right? Because it dominates our thinking most of the week. 
I got bills to pay, mortgage, car payments. I've got kids to get into school. I've, I've, I've got all of these responsibilities and nearly every one of them have to do with money, right? And so God knew, Jesus knew that this was going to be the battle every single one of us would fight. And there is always a clear winner. Always. And do you understand that the command to tithe calls your bluff? It smokes out the true winner of the God versus money battle in your life. If you're not tithing, you're losing. And again, this is not fundamentally about the money. It's about our hearts. You need to do a heart check. Second thing, when it comes to money, you need to do a gut check. You need to do a gut check. Now, what do I mean when I say gut check? I'm talking about a character step that you take to start honoring God with your, with your resources. Here's what you're going to have to do. If you're going to be faithful and obedient to what, what the scriptures say here, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go home and you're going to have to sit down with a calculator and get your records out and you're going to have to figure out how much you actually earn. You're going to have to figure out how frequently you're paid through the different revenue streams that, that come your way. You're going to have to, you're going to have to look through your investments and you're going to have to figure out how much you need to bring to God on a regular basis to represent the full tithe. And folks, that takes character. That takes just some good old fashioned discipline and attention to detail. It takes follow through. It takes guts. And here's the thing, listen to me. A heart check without a gut check is a setup for hypocrisy. Because if you don't build in those systems, if you're not doing those, those detailed things that you, that, that you should be doing, you're going to wind up saying you're a tither when the reality is you're really not. And again, somebody will, will say, well, this is legalism. No, this is obedience. It's just obedience. It's a gut check. Will you go home and take the steps you need to take, put in the systems that need to be in place so that it gets done in a way that honors God? Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now I want you to remember that word first fruits. We'll get to that here in a second. If we do that, what's... The result, verse 10, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, this is a proverb. Okay? We have to understand that Proverbs, along with Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, those, they're wisdom literature. Okay? They're teaching principles. And the principle here is, like it says in, in, in Malachi chapter 3, if you do this, then God will respond with blessing. It's conditional. This is a proverb. Now, a word that caught my eye when I was looking at this was the word first fruits. There's a principle in this as well. And this is so important to the way we think, how we look at the resources that God has provided for us. Have you ever heard of the, of the principle of first fruits? I don't know if that's what it's called. That's what I called it. Let me explain it this way. Are you ready? Little math quiz. Let's say you did a job. And the profit 
the increase that you made from doing that job was $1,000. So the guy you're working for puts into your hand 10 $100 bills. Okay, you with me? Two questions. First one, you have 10 $100 bills in your hands. How much is the tithe? Oh, look at y'all, Denver City School District. Bam, okay. It's $100, right? A tenth, that's the tithe. Second question. You have 10 $100 bills. Which one is the tithe? The tithe is the first one to leave your hand. It's the first one to leave your hand. In other words, if you go home and you say, okay, I got to put aside some of this thousand dollars for the mortgage. I got to put aside some for the car. Here's some for clothes. Here's some for food. And here's God's part. No, that's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. And let me tell you something. The mortgage company does not have the power to bless your resources. Don't know if you're aware of that. Only God can do that. And you may be sitting there, goodness, are you serious? You're going to split hairs like that? You're, we're talking semantics here. No, we're not. We're talking principle. We're talking priority. We're talking motive. Because here's what happens. Invariably, this is what happens. Okay, I'm going to set aside here, 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 here. And whatever's left over, I'll give to God. If, if there's any left over, I'll give it to God, right? Isn't that how it usually works? And can I say something that's hard to hear, but say it as lovingly as I possibly can? God doesn't do leftovers. He's first. This all falls back on your motive, on the condition of your heart. Why you do what you do. And if you doubt me, Genesis chapter 4. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops. You want me to give you the Patrick paraphrase of that verse? He gave what was left over. As a gift to the Lord. Verse 4. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of the flock. Now, let me tell you something about firstborn lambs. When the first one is born, there's no promise that there's going to be more. You understand that, right? Now, we didn't raise sheep, but we had pigs. Just because the first sow had pigs doesn't mean the next. There could be problems. So you're giving before you know if there's going to be any more. It takes faith. Abel gave the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his. Malachi chapter 1, looking in the same book that we've been looking at. Look at this. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, again, Patrick paraphrase, if you give what's left over, isn't that wrong? Now that's a rhetorical question. 
And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor, to somebody important in your life. And see how pleased he is. This is just common sense. Why in the world would you insult God with leftovers? So please hear me here, First Baptist Church of Denver City. It's the first that redeems the rest. It's the act of faith before you pay the bills. It's the act of faith that says, I believe with all of my heart that 90% with God's blessing will go further than 100% without His blessing. It's principle. It's motive. It's priority. So you need to do a heart check. You need to do a gut check. check, And lastly, you need to do a faith check. Because it takes faith to honor God with your resources, with your money. To order your life in the fashion that's being described in this passage. Again, let's look at Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring all the tithes, all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food, enough resources in my temple. If you do, it's conditional. If you do, look at this. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. I think this is the only place in Scripture where God says, I dare you. Put me to the test. So the faith check is, Do you believe that? If you're not tithing, you don't. Because you see, belief is more than intellectual assent. You don't really believe something until you're doing it. You know that, right? Yep, I believe in tithing. Well, then are you tithing? Because if you're not tithing, you don't believe it. And are we mature enough? I certainly hope we are. Are we mature enough here at First Baptist Church of Denver City to realize that when God says blessing, He doesn't mean money necessarily? Folks, you do realize there are many types of blessing. There are so many types of blessing here in America. And, and, and the way we use the word blessing, don't you usually attach money to it? Oh, the Lord just blessed us with the business. The Lord blessed us with that check. The Lord has blessed us with this house. How about the Lord blessed us with the perseverance to get through this last trial? The Lord blessed us with good health so we could continue to find work and make it through this lean time. The Lord's blessed us with, I don't know, healthy children. The opportunity to study His Word. There's so many different types of blessing. He's blessed y'all with a wonderful pastor. But it takes faith to step out there, doesn't it? Because you see, you don't know if that blessing is true until you actually do it. 
Now, is this easy? No. Especially if you've spent years, decades, consuming every bit of resource you have to fit whatever lifestyle you feel you have to have. And so it's going to take some adjustment. It's not easy. It takes faith. And I found out that faith is rarely easy. So don't be deceived, First Baptist Denver City. Don't buy into the lie that First Baptist Church just wants your money. This is not about First Baptist Church. This is about you. It's about me. It's about whether or not we trust Jesus. It's about whether or not we believe what he's saying is true. So, honor God with your resources. Honor God with your money. Honor Him in how you earn it. Honor Him in how you spend it. Honor Him in how you save it. Honor Him in how you generously give to those in need. And honor Him in how you bring the full tithe into the house of the Lord on a regular basis. It has been my experience. We've, we've not always done it perfectly. But it has been my personal experience that God never fails. How in the world Melissa and I have been able to take care of the stuff that we've had to take care of on a single person salary for 30 years stuns me. I stand before you now. I've got one kid finishing up college, another one going in. I think all we owe is a few more months on a car. God is so good to us. And He's so good to you. So hear these words one more time. Not mine, but God's. Bring the whole tithe into the house so there'll be enough resources to do the work. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. Now, Father, give us the courage to obey it. Father, I know that, that, there, that there are people in this, in this room who are living in disobedience. Father, would you, would you give them the courage to face that truth? Father, help us to trust that you are who you say you are, that you will do what you say you will do. Father, those who have, who have tested this and have found you to be faithful, give them the courage to testify. To testify to fellow brothers and sisters, he ain't never failed me yet. 
Help us to share the stories of your provision and your goodness and your mercy and your kindness. Therefore, sharing with with our friends and neighbors, our community, of just how wonderful, (laughs) how wonderful you are. Father, is there someone here who doesn't know you as their Savior? Maybe all this money talk just sounds weird. Father, would you just help them to understand that the first step is you? The key to abundant life, real life, eternal life, is not in how good we can be, how many rules we can follow. It's all based in a personal relationship with you. Would you give them the courage to at least ask a question, to start a conversation about what it means to follow Jesus? And if there's someone here who just, they realize right now they desperately need you, Father, would you give them the courage to step forward? Help us to obey. Hear from you and obey. Father, we will never regret taking those steps. It's in your blessed name we pray. Amen.